Who's your trusted source when it comes to your facility questions, concerns, and needs? Ours is Hard True, the world's largest manufacturer of tennis court surfaces, equipment, and accessories for over 90 years. Partner with their trusted team of experts, along with collegiate greats Jamie Loeb, Alex Rybakov, and Dustin Taylor to bring the surface provider of over 30 professional events annually to your facility. Whether it's the red clay of the Houston ATP, the green clay courts of the Charleston WTA, or the official hard court of World Team Tennis, Hard True has you covered. If you're looking to build a court, convert a hard court to clay, or simply resurface your hard court, work together with Hard True in their mission to lead the tennis industry by creating better places to play. To learn more about their state-of-the-art surfaces, along with their catalog customizable on-court accessories, check out hardtrue.com or call 877-442-7878 today. That's hardtrue.com or 877-442-7878 today. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Saturday, February 13th. I am live in Champaign following an exciting, thrilling, captivating, dramatic day one of the ITA Men's National Indoor Championships. We had upsets. We had top seeds pushed to the brink. We had a 4-3 decision to start our day. Any result you could have possibly have been looking for as a college tennis fan day one of these national indoors delivered and joining me to recap it all you know him as the forefather of the college tennis ranks formula predictions never far from the listed utr one of the many dames to root for the liberty flames the lover of almond joys lover of mother the snitch the professor he quotes henry ford and he is the man i most frequently confuse my cation for it's chris hallioris chris welcome back to the mini break podcast thank you to you for staying up with me your immediate reaction to day one of this event just disbelief I mean, I can the, the way it finished, unbelievable. What a what a match to finish the night. And I love that your background here on our Zoom is the Atkin Tennis Center. Yes, it was a phenomenal finish to our matches. Of course, Illinois knocking off number one team in the country, defending champs USC. That's where we're going to start today's recap. Before we get into it, just want to say a couple of things. A, a huge thank you to all of you who tuned in to day one of our coverage. I hit the 2,000 follower mark on Twitter today. That is a testament to all of you out there. I appreciate that. It's a small milestone, but it means a lot to me. So of course, thank you. you know, I do have an ego, of course, Chris. Uh, that's no news to you or anyone who has listened to this podcast. Nevertheless, feels good to hit that 2000 mark. Secondly, huge thank you, of course, to the entire Atkins Tennis Crew, Coach Dancer, the ITA for allowing us on the broadcast. A huge thank you to Mike Cation for putting up with my nonsense on day one. The very first thing I did when he came to me on our very first broadcast. He goes, Alex, you know, tell me your thoughts on this Virginia TCU match. I go, well, Chris, and just right <laughs> off the bat, it was an issue for me. And I just all day, I was like, I'm so used to having Chris here. And I have to say, I learned more in one day in the booth with Mike than I have maybe learned in my 
three entire years of doing this. It was a delight, but it does feel good to get, and I say this lovingly, Mike, in case you hear this podcast, to get the chains removed, to come on this podcast, give my freewheeling takes, because of course I do have plenty of takes from day one. I know you do as well, Chris. I'll also say this. It's 1130 right now. I'm in my hotel room. I do not want to speak too loudly so as to avoid noise complaints, not piss anyone off for recording a podcast this late. I hope that is the compromise you all are willing to accept. So if it sounds like a whisper, it's not that I'm tired. I am tired, but I've got enough adrenaline running through my veins, of course, for this podcast. But that is the reasoning for that. Of course, shout out to Midwest Sports. I don't have a brain working well enough to plug them. And also, I have rules this weekend. I'm not allowed to plug things because, of course, I'm a contractor for Illinois. You guys don't want to hear the minutiae reasons behind that. So I'm trying to get out of the plugging habit. I will say shout out to you, Midwest Sports. You make it all possible. MidwestSports.com. The promo code is CR15. With that in mind, we are going to recap day one's four quarterfinal matches. We are going to preview our two semifinals. Of course, I'm going to give Chris a chance to give his takes on the two backdraw matches as well, because those matches become inherently more interesting given our results today. With that in mind, I wanted to go chronologically, but when we have the number one team in the country, the defending champions upset on day one, that's where we have to start. Illinois shocking the college tennis world, knocking off the USC Trojans, not 4-3, not 4-2. No, they beat the Trojans 4-1. They take the doubles point. They get wins in straight sets at the number three, uh, six, and four positions. I think it's six finish first, then three, then four, if we're being specific. But obviously for the Trojans uh, today, they did not have more bullets in the lineup. I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit here. But Chris, I, I don't even know where to start. I'll let you go first. Yeah, I mean, total just total shock there. I mean, even when they managed to pull the doubles point off, uh, I think I would probably like you, I thought, all right, well, they got the doubles point. Yeah. That's I I even cute. Texted you. Like, hey, yeah, Hey, th- there's the one, because I jokingly <laughs> said after the TCU Virginia match, Hey, we're probably going to see like four Oh, four, one, four, one for the next three matches, which in hindsight was a hundred percent. Correct. <laughs> just didn't name the teams that would be on either end. The other but we thing, did get 404141 for the final three matches. Quick disclaimer, if I don't laugh at your jokes, it's because I laugh loudly, but that was very funny. Go on, Chris. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, it was just, you know, not totally shocked to uh to see the see doubles go down uh like it did just because we we you know, we kind of knew that uh, just just as you had laid it out maybe suspect in uh, at the bottom of the of the USC lineup in doubles and you had thought hey Monsi and Kenyatta they could pull something off um and you know and they played they played great and so for them to get the doubles point yeah it was in hindsight it was huge didn't feel like to us it maybe it was going to be so huge at the time and then they just came out and you know pretty quickly they got three first sets that last one hung around a while you weren't sure whether it was going to be uh three or four because i think zeke went to a tiebreaker in the in the first set so that one that one hung around for a while but just the ones that they they put up really quick you started to go wow uh okay well they did this last year with michigan but can illinois actually pull it off 
the amount of times I referenced the Michigan match throughout the broadcast because you kept thinking, don't worry, USC is going to make the push, but we have to start with doubles. And let me just say, I mentioned this earlier, shackles are coming off here. We're going to lay the backdrop because in our preview podcast, I was, you know, mocked, nay, scoffed at for my saying, Kwesi Kenyatta, Sifo Mansi, watching them in person on Tuesday, I thought they were the real deal. I thought they could compete with fellow number one doubles teams across the country. They proved that today in spades. But even before we get there, to have Alex Kovacevic at the number three doubles position, what a luxury for Coach Brad Dancer. And just simply put, with all due respect to Ludwig Westrade and Ryder Jackson, Alex Banchilla made enough first serves today, made enough returns, that the fact that Kovacevic was just so clearly the best player on the court by such a comfortable margin, that made all of the difference in the end for the Illini. And so, you know, they get the early break on Westrate and Jackson. Westrate and Jackson get that break back, but ultimately Kova, Banchilla uh, get that additional break, and then Kova able to surf it out. And then all eyes turn to the number one doubles position where Sifo Monsi can play, folks, but the story of this match is Kawaisi Kenyatta, who is one of Southeast Michigan's own, someone I grew up in the juniors with. Now he was four, five years younger than me. I'm not going to regale the fact that all of you know, you know what I'm thinking right now, all of you out there, so we don't have to say it again, but... uh, You know, having seen Koisi play, did I expect him to turn out to be 6'8"? No, but he was awfully successful at Valparaiso. And for him to come, and, you know, he was redshirted last season, had some injuries, we're still working things out. But you talk to Coach Brad Dancer about Koisi. It's not just that he's 6'8 and can bomb serves indoors. There's so much more to his game than that. And you saw how aggressive he played at the number one doubles position. I can't emphasize this enough. It wasn't that Cougarman and Smith were off their game, although they were a little bit off their game. They had a ton of break chances that Kenyatta just continued to erase with big serves. But Kawaisi and Sifo just, they crossed so frequently. They played so aggressive. This entire Illinois team played aggressive two-up doubles. Even Brown and Heck played pretty solid doubles at the number two position. If this Illinois doubles team is like, there's nothing, you know, the singles performance, I'm not going to say it was flukish, but we are indoors. The doubles performance feels replicable throughout the course of the season. Yeah, I mean, uh, Kenyatta was super impressive. I mean, he looked – he. it'll be interesting to see him play, you know, going forward, but he looked like he was absolutely playing like a man that had nothing to lose and went for everything. Yeah. I mean, he was just ripping, and it was his day he didn't miss. So, you know, all the rips he was taking made him look, you know, stellar. Uh, obviously, you know, there's – there's a reason he, he wasn't, you know, a, a top power five conference recruit to begin with or something. So, so, I mean, obviously he had to have had a great day. Uh, he's had some good development at Illinois and he, and he's been injured, but wow, did, I mean, I couldn't have been any more impressed with him, not just in the doubles, but then when we rolled into singles and we got to see some of that match, it was the same thing. He was continuing to rip the ball and make most of his shots. I don't mean to be rude to Bradley Fry 
he destroyed Bradley Fry today. He came went up two early breaks in set number one and two and just held on to those breaks the entire time. And part of this was just, again, it was Kawaisi's day. As you mentioned, the serve was landing. The plus one was landing. He moved so well for someone his size at all. I said this on the broadcast. It reminds you of Michael Redlicky without all of the swearing, right? When Michael Redlicky was at Duke and he was just this young, raw, unrefined talent, that's sort of what you see in Kawaisi right now. And I mean, to have him at number six singles, what a luxury for Coach Dancer. And the most ridiculous part is you can't accuse him of stacking because, you know, four first sets for the Illini at courts one, uh, three, four, and number, uh, I believe, uh, six for them. And then, you know, Alex Brown was broken once in his match with Riley Smith, the entire match, they, you know, it was six, four, six, seven, two all when the match didn't finish that one break of serve going to Smith in the first set. Although God knows he had chances throughout that match to get the break of Brown. Brown just kept coming up with the goods, but four first sets for the Illini. And again, being in the building, you always knew Daniel Kukerman, the cookie monster was coming back, right? And the level of play at number one singles in this match, ugh. That was a professional level match. But for Sifo and, you know, and especially Kawaisi to put those two quick points on the board. And then it was just, can Ryder Jackson survive against Zeke? And if you're Coach Brad Dancer, your fifth year senior serving for the match or playing the clincher, it was from start to finish a perfect match for Illinois. That's what they needed and they got it. Yeah. I mean, it's. Again, I don't. You, you said it perfectly. I mean, they just they they were flawless. I mean, it was it was shocking all the way around, just because we we didn't expect it. But at the same time, you know, if we could go back, uh, you know, thirteen months, and and get before we started last year's dual season and the train wreck that uh, you know ensued for them over those two, if you could take those back going into the that season last year with these same guys that they had we you know they were high on the list right they were a team to be watched and so you're you know maybe a little bit biased just by by what happened there and obviously it's clear those guys are you know eager and anxious to get that put behind them and they're you know and they're ready to play this year so i mean it's going to it's going to be fun to watch and i'm and i think it's going to be fun to watch them you know a, tomorrow some of these matchups and we'll we'll get into that later probably but yeah i think that's that's going to be you know there's some really intriguing matchups uh in that match Hinata Furman is fascinating on yeah, so I mean, many levels yeah exactly you're th- if he does what he does again i mean yeah you're classic what you know big banger against your you know baseline make every ball guy i mean just outstanding match I will bet you every dollar in my pocket that the match between Zeke Clark and Nick Stokowiak does not finish every dollar in my pocket (laughs) yeah yeah well first of all I would take the bet because I know there are no dollars in your pocket but but I think you're right uh yeah I don't I don't think that match uh, that match finishes but uh, it's gonna be such a grind fest delightful even even I mean I'm looking at these up and down the match the match at two with AB if he plays like he did today just banging and hard to break against Soto who's going to sit there and grind at you up if he can make his returns probably gets the advantage but how I mean you just can't make the returns uh, when you when you're serving as well as AB was uh, and then you you actually have to favor 
Illinois at one, right? I mean, and we've always said all along, that's where you got to beat Baylor's up top. You got Kovacevic playing like he is. I mean, yeah, so who knows? Anything can Shout out to you. You got it right there. I saw the hesitation in your mouth. Kovacevic is correct. So bravo to you. Hey, great shot. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what what else there is to say about this Illinois team other than to ask you, uh, you know, A, uh, well, let's just two last questions for Illinois. And this is how we'll transition to the USC side. A, and I think this is a short question. Do you now put them on the tier with Ohio State and Michigan? If Illinois wins the Big Ten this season, is it no longer shocking? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I would not be shocked at all. I agree with you there. Then my second question, I think this is a segue. Does this match, and I think the answer is it does tell you, this match tells you more about Illinois, but did this match have more to do with Illinois winning it or USC losing it? Well, I, first, you have to just give the credit to Illinois. So Agreed. I think it's, it's, it's more about Illinois winning it uh, because they won it. Okay. USC didn't necessarily you know, you can't look somewhere and just go, yeah, that, you know, that, that lost it right there. They just got beat. But at the same time, it, it tells, you know, it gives you cause for concern, say at the bottom of the lineup where you fully expected USC should have had the five, six advantage. Uh, and that, you know, they did get the match from, from West straight, but, uh, but you know, the way Kenyatti just handled Bradley Fry and yeah, sure. They're, they're down a guy, but Hey, that's one of the strengths of USC is they have, you know, three extra guys that can play. So I'm not, yeah, everyone I know, and we've already been flooded on Twitter, right? We need an explanation. We want to know why more bullets didn't play. You know what? They should have won the match without more bullets anyway, but you know, that's not, yes, in hindsight, you go, wow, if he was able to play, he probably should have, but, and I don't know if he was, you know, was able to or not, but that's a match that if you're USC in the depth you have, you should think that you should win that match regardless. Yeah. And look, I know people will be listening to this podcast asking, well, you were there, Gruskin. You certainly talked to Coach Macy at some point. Where was more bullets? You're absolutely right. I did talk to Coach Macy, and the truth is Coach uh, said more bullets is nursing an injury. I'm not going to get into the specifics of the injury, but obviously he missed the beginning of the season kickoff weekend. Uh, he is not fully fit and ready to contribute for the Trojans. You can understand that decision. To your point, this team's supposed to have Jackson, Westrate, Fry, Sands. They're supposed to have a couple of options that even if one of them's got to step up to four, there should be no gap in the fill-ins at five and six. Westrate, answer that question positively. That's the one win if you're Coach Macy. You're like, okay, Ludwig's probably in the lineup. He's probably our sixth guy when we're fully healthy. But, you know, Jackson had so many chances, and Fry just could not find his rhythm today. And my guy, Destanich, credit to Sifo, who just – I mean, Sifo Monsi's just a stud. Sifo Monsi is really, really good. And we've talked enough about this Illinois-USC match uh, because if we do this length on each and every one of these matches, I will be <laughs> up until the start of tomorrow's play. Uh, it's also an hour later where Chris is right now, so I want to be cognizant of that as well. But, I mean, any final thoughts from a USC perspective, Illinois perspective on this shocking result? Yeah, I mean, I, it'll be interesting to see what UCF, USC does after this, right? I mean, it, if if there was any thought that 
Bolas was probably going to come back and play after that. I can't imagine that's true now. Like maybe they were getting an extra day's rest and trying to make a run, but now you might as well, you, you might as well let him get his, you know, get healed up and don't take any crazy chances if you don't need to. Uh, but Illinois, yeah, for Illinois, I'm excited to see, uh, you know, can they, can they do it again? And whether it's, whether they do it against Baylor or whether they do it in the final day, if they can manage to come out of here with two wins, uh, and I know it's something you and I have talked about, huge for the Big Ten that's playing a Big Ten-only schedule. Anything they get out of Illinois here, it's not just for them, it's for the entire Big Ten, is huge. Yeah, the first people who probably texted Coach Dancer shockingly were coaches Tucker and Steinberg, who were like, you're the man like way to go my guy like you just put the conference on your back way to go and there was a relief by the way on brad dancer's face you could just see he needed this one and it felt good for him it felt good for this program to get that in match two of your season the confidence that builds it's either going to go one of two ways this team's going to get really cocky and flame out or they're going to be really really tough i lean towards the latter fantastic result for the illini Watch out if you have to play the Trojans the rest of this weekend. The last place I want to be is across the net from a pissed-off Trojan team. But with that in mind, let's move on to our next match. And again, from here, we're going to go chronologically. Let's start with our only 4-3, or our start, I guess. Let's move now to our only 4-3 result on the day. The result that got all of the juices flowing for this color commentator the result that means officially you know the win at ohio state was obviously cute but if you can't back that up what is it worth well they did back it up at wake forest but then you know maddie chris they're going to cast out chris in particular he's going to pick the horned frogs maddie's going to reluctantly pick the who's i'm going to ride with my who's till i die and what does that lead to a success, a 4-3 success for this young Who's team. They dropped the doubles point against TCU, a TCU team that, by the way, won four singles matches indoors at Baylor. What does Virginia do? Say, please, we want a match in Columbus. They knock off TCU. They win only three first sets, but end up getting wins in straight sets from uh, Chris Rodesh at the number five singles position. We'll get back to that. They end up getting wins then from von der Schulenberg. Uh, excuse me, from Carl Soderlund at one, from Gianni Ross at six, and then ultimately von der Schulenberg with the clinch 6-4 in the third over TCU. Now for TCU, 6-0 in the third win for Famba over Montez Jirasek, one and six over Ryan Getz, a 4-3 thriller. Chris, I'm handing you the reins. Where do you want to go with this match? Well, I mean, first I'll just say when, when TCU took the doubles point, uh, you know, you had to think, wow, it was, I mean, over. that was, yeah, that, that was the shot that Virginia needed. Right. I mean, if anything, you thought TCU was the team that was capable of taking four singles, not, not Virginia. Um, and, you know, e even for a while there, I still thought, Hey, TCU's, you know, they're looking good. And anytime you get to, they get up three, one, right. Mm -hmm. uh, any, when you get up three, one and the other team's got to win, all three of the final matches and and at that point every single one of them was on serve no you know there were no advantages so you've got to take three matches that are just head up and you've got to win them all right that's just not that likely uh you know the professor would say yeah well that's <laughs> one out of eight right uh i mean if they're all 50 50 props that, that's a one out of eight scenario so yeah i mean ha you know hats off to to the virginia guys and i really thought that when 
you know, I thought when, when Famba just kind of took over and got his match there uh, really quickly in the third set to give them that third point, that that was going to be the straw that, that did it, that kind of put them over the hump. They would find one of them, but I mean, yeah, they just, the Virginia kids, they, they just would, would not give up. The craziest part about this 4-3 decision, TCU, at the by the way, at one point did go up 3-1. And as you mentioned, there was that sort of, I don't want to say finality, but there was that feeling after doubles where, you know, TCU, I don't think they trailed at any point in any of the courts in doubles. And they were just taking it to Virginia. They were playing two up. They were playing aggressive. Fomba and Gray were so impressive at one. Sander Jung serving bullets at number two. And honestly, he hit a forehand at Chris Rodesh. I saw the look in Chris Rodesh's eyes he was legitimately afraid of everything that was happening in a you know it just on the court for him and so uh, obviously for uh Rodesh then to come out and I apologize there I had an audio glitch I lost my thought mid-sentence but for Rodesh to come out the way he did and win 0-1 in singles I think that was the result that really got things going for this Virginia team and to Dias Paralek, 0-1, and I know apparently he was nursing an injury. I think he hurt his hand yesterday. He told Coach he was good to go. Coach was, you know, obviously you give your player the benefit of the doubt, but 0-1, it was just within 30 minutes the match was one all, so it was as if doubles didn't matter. Yeah, that's, I mean, that that's a that was a great point. As quickly as Rodesh put that, and it was clear in probably 20 minutes that, that was, I mean, you know, he was up six love, five love before, before Parallax even got that first game. And, and you could tell that match was over, uh, you know, as, as soon as it started the second set. So that point right there to your, to, to your point, it made it, you know, that evened it up and it was a long time before we had another match finish. So, so that, that kind of evened things up and yeah, that was, that was really an absolute disaster for, for TCU on that court. but you know, they still managed to get the next two points. And if you're going to be, if you're the number three team in the country and you're up three, one, and you're even, you're not, you're not trailing on any of the three remaining courts. You have to find a way to win one. I mean, you have to win one of those matches. Just that's all there is to it. And, and, you know, we we were kind of doing our normal text during the matches. uh, And I said, Hey, you just got to believe Soderland's going to find a way. That's the guy. If you're Virginia, Soderland's going to find a way. So it's if Virginia is going to do it here, that's probably not the guy I'm going to worry about. Now it's so now we're down to, you know, it's, it's Gianni on court six uh, and it's Vonder Schulenberg on court three. They're going to have to do it. And you know what? And they did. It was, uh, it was that again, I was almost as stunned. I mean, obviously not as stunned as seeing Illinois beat, uh, beat USC like they did, but the way uh, to come from three, one down, I, had you told me before the match, they could win. Sure. We said they could win, but if you tell me they're going to go down three, one, and they're not up in any of the three remaining matches. Yeah. I, that I was stunned at the, you know, the, the great comeback from there. 
You know who else was saying Carl Soderlund was for sure going to win, or at the very least, for sure going to get to a third set? This guy, who was stealing all of your Carl Soderlund takes in the booth. By the way, you guys can't see this. I'm pointing to myself on the Zoom when referring to this guy. Um, yeah, I, I completely. And by the way, the look Mike gave me when I said that, he was like, what? He's like that. I mean, sometimes Mike just gives me those looks because I have a penance for poking him in all the wrong ways that's part of my charm um but no no that that was the 27 times you wanted to make juan martin del potro references i didn't do it 27 <laughs> times i did it like once and then like he yeah okay and at least twice. No, first of all i i make it sound like mike and i bicker as i said off the top there's perhaps nothing i have enjoyed more ever than that opportunity on day one other than of course when i get to share the booth with you chris as i mentioned i called him chris to the point so many times that he put up a name tag to remind me hey i'm mike um and so obviously i think i might just call you mike for the rest of the pod to build the habit but yeah, you knew Soderlund was going to come back. Johnny Ross today was particularly impressive. He was a number six singles in every sense of the fashion. He just didn't miss when the time called for it. And in that tiebreaker, he got off to such a quick start, built himself a big enough margin uh, that even though I think he was up 6-3, dropped a couple of points, ended up winning at 7-5 in the breaker, he just put a lot of pressure on Martin and Martin played a passive match at six. And by the way, the match between Soderlund and Gray at one was just exceptional. Like by every metric, Alistair Gray plays, he just plays such a beautiful game. The one-handed backhand, the way he attacks and Famba at two just took it to Iñaki Montes. And Montes winning that second set had more to do about the momentum that Virginia was building in the dual match in general at that time. But the only moment where you felt like TCU was going to win was when they built that 3-1 lead, was when, you know, simultaneously Famba closed out the bagel and Jerzyk closed out Getz. And then from there, it was all Virginia. And this match was run, TCU took doubles, Virginia, Rodash started the run, putting that huge first point on the board, carrying them through the first 30 minutes. And then slowly just Virginia sort of grinded down this TCU team. And again, this team is majority freshmen, so they're only going to get better, Chris. Yeah. Oh, certainly. If you're a Virginia fan, you know, as you are, of course, uh, there's, you know, they, you've got nothing but good things to look forward to here. Yeah. These, you know, that, that was the point at which I thought, Hey, you know, probably three hours from now, we're going to get, we're going to get to say, Hey, we told you the freshmen are going to have the times where they struggle. Right. And you know, that was, we're going to be able to look back and say, yeah, give them a break. They're freshmen. But that, <laughs> That didn't happen. And it, and it came down, you know, the match that every, all three of us looked at and said, that's the key match. Right. And we called, it was going to be the Sander Jong, Jeffrey Von and Schulenberg match. And, to, and that, you know, that match, you know, obviously certainly was key. Had TCU been able to, to flip that one and win it, they, they win the match. But yeah, that, I think that was the one, especially relying on the freshman Gianni Ross maybe hasn't looked the greatest up to now, but we all just kind of had the sense that if it came down to it, Gianni would, you know, he's the experienced guy. He would find the way over Juan Martin, who maybe isn't so experienced, but for Von der Schulenberg to have to do it against Jong, that, that was the key one to me. And that's, that's what won it for him. Yeah. Jeffrey Von der Schulenberg is just a rock. He, you know, Sander Jong, the forehand, the serve, he was the landlord in every sense of this match. Sander Jong played a, you know, really good match. Von der Schulenberg played a great match. And sometimes that's what you need. You need someone to step up in a moment like this. Von der Schulenberg did just that. And yeah, Virginia, 
ends up advancing 4-3, where now they're going to take on uh, a UNC team that, truth be told, yeah, they advanced 4-1 over Tennessee. But the first, you know, the reason they won this match is because downright thievery, Chris, they stole that doubles point. They had no business winning that number two doubles position. Kyger and Sondergaard down a break multiple times in the match against Monday and Prada mini breaks in the breaker as well as a break during the actual set. And, you know, A, Mac Kyger was the story of this number two doubles position. He played so phenomenally well. And then Sondergaard really picked up his level at the end of that set, uh, at the end of that set. Did it feel that way to you from afar? Because certainly the way Tennessee jumped on Carolina the first 20 minutes of doubles, it felt like thievery that they ended up with that doubles point. Yeah, I mean, Tennessee looked like they had it won. Carolina gets back in it. They get it. They still get into a breaker at two. Tennessee's up 5-2 in the breaker, and you're thinking, all right, they've got it. And the next thing you know, it's over, and they've won, and, and Carolina's won the point. And, you know, in, and then in hindsight, as you look back, sure, on the scoreboard, it's a 4-1 match. But had Tennessee finished that doubles point off, you know, and then you look at what was left, instead of 4-1, now that, that's 3-2, and then you look at the other matches that were going, Tennessee was right there. I mean, it, this looks like a very convincing win because it's 4-1, and, you know, that, that just wasn't the case. Uh, you know, that, that could have easily gotten away from North Carolina had they not taken that doubles point. Seguin and Hijikata went down 5-0 in about 35 seconds. And guess what? Rinky Hijikata had yet to play a doubles match here in the dual match season. Him and Seguin, as good as they are going to be, they had yet to find the rhythm. And Hussey and Walner were just all over them. And, you know, credit to Blumberg and Cernak, who sometimes out there, it looks like they're riding a bike. That's how easy they make the number one doubles position work, where it's just like Blumberg's like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to crank a big serve here. Will you poach Brian? And Brian's like, will. Am I going to poach? I'm a lefty. Of course I'm going to poach. And that's exactly what he does. And, you know, for me, Johannes Monday is an absolute stud. And he played phenomenal in that number two doubles flight. He kept serving and following the aggression he played with. He is just, he's the real deal, folks. And for him to knock off Rinky four and two in the dominant fashion, he did put a point on the board for Tennessee. That was so impressive. And, you know, Walton, by the way, the six, I've, we, we, you were our stats and info guy on the broadcast. Will Blumberg has never been bageled in his college career until today and you know really looked like Walton. i think he was up 4-1 in the third it looked like he was about to run away and win that third set as well but i think the story for the tar heels is they snuck doubles out three and four are going to be locks for them and then sondergaard was really good at six singles as well yeah i don't i mean actually the the best part for me yeah, the, the positives were was was Sondergaard. I'm not I, I'm I wouldn't go so far as to say three and four are gonna be locks. I didn't think Sagin looked that great. Uh I mean he won, right? Yeah. But but I, I don't think he was outstanding. Uh but I think getting what they got from from Sondergaard at six is a is a huge bonus. Um but yeah, it's a lot to be a lot to be worried about any, I mean, a win's a win, you take it and you move on to the next one, but that level is going to have to come up if, you know, to, even just tomorrow when they go and play Virginia, that's, you know, they, they can't play that same way uh, 
with Virginia and, and expect to come out with the same result. Seguin, and by the way, it's not Seguin, it's Seguin. Just so you know, I have it officially. It's Ben Seguin. Um, I, I think his result, though, had a lot to do with Prada. Prada played pretty good tennis today, and so did Giles Hussey, and they're playing really well for the Volunteers right now, and Cernok and, Se- and Seguin did not play their best, and yet they still managed to win straight set matches. I agree with you. Sondergaard's the takeaway. Also, you know, I think this Tennessee team is really, really good, and I think they proved that today uh, for UNC, considering it was Blumberg and Hijikata who struggled. Again, that's the silver lining. Like, if you're concerned, if Blumberg and Hijikata are issues for the Tar Heels, we have to reimagine everything we thought about them. I think it's a safe assumption to say they will be better moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. The question is, are they going to be better tomorrow and the next day? Yeah. Right. I mean, especially Rinky. Now, I mean, I, I even have that question about Will because he hasn't, I mean, he, he hasn't blown people away like we've expected to see, you know, like we expect of him at all this year. He, you know, he, he, he wasn't killing people against Virginia Tech. He didn't do it, you know, leading up into this match. Uh, he didn't do it in, in this match. So he, he hasn't been the Will that we know. And obviously this is Rinky's first match back since uh, he played like the, tournament whatever kind of tournament they had after he came back from the Australian Open qualifying but then didn't play uh since then in the in the kickoff weekend or, or the match after that but uh, uh so yeah certainly his his form will come back they will be fine long term the question is will they be fine enough to get through the next two days and win an indoor championship yeah, they're going to have a battle on their hands tomorrow against Virginia, and we'll talk about that match momentarily. The last match we have to recap here, the Baylor Bears getting a big win over Texas, and it's funny because, you know, they played Texas early in the season. They beat them 4-1, but in the doubles point, it almost felt like a revenge match for these Baylor Bears, how hungry they were to start. And look, this was a really high level of play. Texas jumped on Baylor at a couple of spots, and it's a credit to Spazieri and Waldeep, who again beat Sven Lon, Connie Franz, and that's twice in a row they've beaten them now. To Coach Woodson's credit, he's acknowledged his recent struggles in doubles by making a lineup change. Soto, Broom, move up to the number two position where they took on Holden and Chi-Chi Huang, and then Nick Stokowiak getting a new partner, his old partner in crime, Spencer Furman from Duke. That decision paying huge dividends for Coach Woodson as Soto and Broom, 6'4 at two, and then Stokowiak and Furman, 7'6, 9'7 in the breaker. Both teams fighting off set points uh, to beat Broswell and Harper. This was the one where once Baylor got that doubles point, you pop the balloon. Yeah, I mean, this pretty... I would say this match went more than any other, just pretty much the way we expected it to go. I mean, I'd say, I'd say the TCU Virginia match from the perspective of, we knew that was going to be a close tight match went, you know, albeit who was going to win was, was questionable, but that was really tight. We knew it was going to be tight. This one equally, we thought probably not going to be tight, especially if Baylor comes out and gets the doubles point, which they did, uh, and then they get all six first sets and, and just run away with it. it. It it just got away from from Texas really really fast. When you drop the doubles point and all six first sets, and there's you know there's not a lot you can do. 
Spazieri's the real deal at number two singles. He probably should have won that first set against uh, Matthias. I think it's Matthias. Coach Woodson emailed me or texted me. We had this whole exchange after the match. By the way, this was one of my- I think it's Matthias. No, I think it's Matthias. He sent me, I can't find my phone right now. I'm like looking for it so that I can answer this question definitively. There, my phone is on the ground. I will, this is all live. Keep it in the podcast. There's no way Westhoff's going to edit this. Come on. Um, Oh, that's very, very kind. Sorry, Dad. I'm looking at my phone. I just got a text message. Again, leave this all in. I don't have the, the patience right now to do edits. And by the way, you listeners, unfortunately, the audio quality for this podcast on my end, not going to be as high as it usually is. About 20 minutes in, my garage band stopped, and I didn't notice it till like 10 minutes later because I'm at like 75% speed here tonight, which is I suppose actually usually 5% higher than normal, but like, anyways, that's an inside joke for the podcast team. Um, Yeah. It's what was I saying? Oh yeah. There was an incident on the court and it's funny because I couldn't tell you what match it was, but I, and if coach Woodson hears this, he's going to yell at me. Um, But I can tell you definitively, I think it was, it was either law. I think it was the law Browswell match where there's a ball that hit the ceiling. And it, it was a very, a very soft hitting of the ceiling, but it definitively hit the ceiling. And it was either Broswell or I think it was Braswell. I think it was court three where he looks up and he's like that, that hit the ceiling and he stops and the chair umpire agrees and the Baylor coaches go ballistic. Like they were like, it did not hit the ceiling. And these chair umpires on the side also didn't think it hit the ceiling. And then I texted coach tonight and I apologize for telling him the story publicly. And I was like, no, it definitely hit the ceiling. I was like, I, I was like, I was signaling to you in the booth the whole time. I was like, trust me, it hit the ceiling. Like I, <laughs> and the reason I'm so confident is because I like remember adamantly like waving my hands, like coach, coach, it did hit the ceiling. Like, trust me, it did. This is not the fight you're looking for. Um, but other than that drama, and again, all due respect, I'm not trying to diminish this Texas team who was really impressive. And we continue to say that, hey, the talent they have from one to six is still, you know, they're just a lesser version of Baylor right now. But, you know, Texas competed at a bunch of different places. That match uh, between Waldeep and Boyton was such high quality. And obviously the match at four singles was still going on. But this felt like a revenge match for Baylor where they were like, you guys almost beat us in Austin. And we just got to remind you that you're not almost better than us. Yeah. Yeah. Which is the way we kind of called it ahead of time was even though they won, it still felt like it was going to be a revenge match for Baylor because even though the scoreboard said four one, I think in the first match, it was a much closer match than the scoreboard indicated. And I think, and and we all thought that Baylor was going to come out as if they were the team that had something to prove to say, yeah, it, it wasn't really, it shouldn't be as close as you made it. How about this moment in broadcasting infamy for me? I was talking about Kovacevic and I'm like, yeah, you know, last year he lost a couple of bad matches. He went to Duke and lost a match. He shouldn't have lost. I forget yeah. who he lost to. <laughs> and I get a DM right away from my cousin, Nick Stokowiak. And he's like, you know, that was me. And I was like, oh. I was like, shoot, I really should have known that was, I was like, no, I'm not operating at full capacity, Nick. I'm sorry. Um, but, but I was listening at that point and, and I love the way you handled it. And the, and the fact that you just said, yeah, sorry, Nick, but frankly, that's a match he should have won. <laughs> <laughs> I am me till the bitter end, unfortunately. Um, and again, you're not supposed to make me laugh. So stop it. <laughs> uh, no, but um, yeah, I mean, any final thoughts on this Baylor-Texas match? I feel bad we haven't talked about Texas. That's why I tried to sneak that in. They weren't bad today. Baylor was just Baylor. 
Yeah, we I mean we expected Baylor to win. I think I think where where we look going forward here for te- it's going to be it's really interesting on the backdraw side here now. So Texas gets USC tomorrow and you know you know look, Illinois just beat USC today. You don't know what's go- what's going to happen if you if if USC comes out and with the same lineup and and the same kind of, you know, play that we saw today the text you know guys like chi chi wong down at five uh can definitely take advantage uh of that you never know they could they could pull it off but you've got to think that the odds are you know you're going to favor usc which so if you're gonna and if you say hey we'll take the favorite usc the favorite in the other match will be tcu so now you're down to a uh you know if if everything held, you're down to a Tennessee, Texas match for which one of us goes 0 and three. And that's a rough position. You know, nobody wants to be the team that comes out 0 and three. That's kind of a best case scenario for us college tennis fans, though, right? Because whomever's in that 0 and 2, 0 and 2 match, that might be quietly the best match of the weekend, just the angst and the fire those two teams have. So yes, to your point, certainly tomorrow should be a fun day of matches. And with that in mind, let's quickly preview our day two matches. Let's go, you know, quick deep dive. I want to give you the floor here because certainly I will talk about these matches at length tomorrow. Let's start with the all ACC battle. Virginia gets their first look at the Tar Heels this season. You look by UTR, the Tar Heels favored at all six spots. Now, none of them higher than 0.5. The range is from 0.09 to 0.43. So they're pretty much toss-ups across the board. Your match calculus for each team and what you expect to unfold. Yeah, I mean, you have clearly you've got to favor North Carolina, but it's one of these matches that the, from a, from an on paper perspective, you say, I'll take Carolina. But if you're looking at who's on form and who's playing well, it's exactly the opposite. Virginia is playing great and they're looking good and North Carolina's winning, but frankly, just not looking very impressive in doing so. So I, I think it's going to be a very intriguing match. I have to stick with North Carolina and I have to stick with North Carolina to win doubles. I mean, Virginia lost the doubles point to TCU today. Like you said, Cernock and Blumberg are just going to be ridiculous. Kiger and Sonnegaard are, are one of the best doubles teams in the country playing too. And then, you know, who knows what the hell happened to Rinky and, and Seguin today. So that probably doesn't happen again. Uh, you gotta, you gotta like their chances in doubles, which means if that happens, Virginia is down to again, having defined, uh, four singles matches, finding four singles matches when you've got Blumberg, Rinky and Seguin in the top three spots is maybe, maybe, you know, not quite the task it was when it was, you know, gray Famba and, and Jong. I love those guys, but they're not. Blumberg, Rinky, and and Seguin. So I think you got to stick with North Carolina, but I, I'm not, I'm definitely not saying that that one's out of the question. I could I would not be surprised at all to see this be a four three match or and and or to see Virginia win. From a matchup perspective, things are way better for Carolina in this one. Montez versus Hijikata is going to be a million made balls. That's exactly what you want if you're Ricky Hijikata. No more Famba surf. Get that thing away from me. Cernok is a miserable matchup for Ryan Getz at number four singles. And so I think those are two flights you absolutely look at if you're the Tar Heels to capitalize. The other one, 
I want to see how Chris Rodesh handles the pace of Josh Peck. That's a man playing a boy. And I say that lovingly. Chris Rodesh will eventually turn into Josh Peck, but Josh Peck is a fifth-year senior. Chris Rodesh is a first-year in every sense of the word, a true freshman. Uh, so that's an interesting one for me. But I agree. At one, at three, at five, honestly, maybe even at six, Virginia comes in with better form. And this is a rivalry match. These two teams to their core, dislike each other. Carl Soderlin and Will Blumberg have a rivalry that dates back to 2017. And I'll tell you what, those 2017 NC teams and those Virginia teams, you ask anyone at Virginia, who did they want to play in that national championship match? They'll say Georgia a thousand times out of a thousand because against UNC, anything can happen for Virginia and it's vice versa, the same case. So that is going to be a fantastic match on the day. I'm not going to give a prediction because if I do, I'm going to get an ethics lecture later on. So I don't want to hear the ethics lecture, but Chris, I'm going to ask you to give a, you said four, two. I'm, I'm, I think for, I think Virginia is actually, I mean, just because they are playing so well right now, I do think they're going to, they're going to stay right in that match. I, I don't know whether I want to say four, two or four, three, just because they're playing so well, I'll say it's going to be a four, three match. But I'll stick with yeah. Carolina. Vonder Schulenberg gives Seguin problems in all of the wrong ways. If you're a Tar Heel fan, it, if this match comes down to number one, that means a lot of things broke Virginia's way. But give me the Tar Heels. I, I'm going to make a prediction. I won't say the score, though. That's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll call, call it a middle line. I think it's going to be a really fun match, though. Let's go to match number two. Baylor now heavy favorites, although not by UTR, but certainly heavy favorites in all of our minds against Illinois. You know the doubles matchups. You go by UTR. Illinois actually favored in three of the six flights, of course. For uh, Baylor, as expected, Charlie Broom, Spencer Furman, heavy favorites at five and six. Soto, a favorite at two as well. It's Monsi, Clark, and Kovacevic favored respectively. That feels like a relatively accurate match calculus for Illinois. Feels like it would have to be doubles one, three, and maybe four or six. Actually, you know, the more I look at it, and maybe I just have recency bias, there are a lot of pathways for Illinois, but of course, Baylor's going to Baylor. Your thoughts on this match? Yeah, I mean, it. it's hard to say that it's going to happen. You know, I don't think it's your inside straight scenario. Uh, I think there are a lot of ways that Illinois can get four points out of this match. I you, I really like their their chances at one. If Kenyatta plays like he did today, uh, even, you know, as good as Spencer Furman's been hitting the ball that big indoors, you, I would ha you have to like him at six. If you steal the doubles point again, that's three. And now you're going, hey, what's where's the last one come from? Well, I think, again, that Monsi could be uh, he could be that key match uh, for, for that in, you know, you'd like to think that. Baylor's more susceptible in the top three spots than they are anywhere else. AB could, if he's serving and hitting his serve plus one, like he was, he can beat anybody indoors at, at Illinois doing that. So it, it could be AB. It could be Monsi at three. I mean, they've got, you know, up and down the lineup. Honestly, the only place that I feel like they're just not going to win is at five. I mean, that's the, that's the one place that I'll go. Hunter Heck's not going to beat Charlie Broom at five. Okay. Beyond that, I'm not going to be totally surprised if Illinois wins any of the other five singles matches. 
it really is up if Kovacevic can perform the way he is capable of that's one on the board and obviously we saw today they took it to USC in doubles now Baylor's a different sort of monster but absolutely when you look at this Illinois team after what they did tonight you think if you're them anything is possible ride the wave now of course if you're Baylor doubles four five six that's always the recipe for you anything in the top three is an added bonus certainly you look at uh, Mati Soto who I'm just going to call Mati Mati Soto and you think to yourself yeah that could absolutely be a win as well I mean they can win anywhere uh, that's the luxury coach Woodson has give me your pick I mean I I almost hate to do it now just I have to pick Baylor, but but the way Illinois won today, I really I want to pick I want to pick them. I want to pick Illinois. Oh man, I just I don't know how I I don't know how I how I can. I still think Baylor takes takes doubles. I will say Illinois wins it. Illinois wins it one. I think they get another win at either three or six uh, before the match ends, but I'm going to say, I'm going to say four to Baylor. But again, I won't, I won't be shocked if Illinois wins. I want to play this video to three days ago, Chris, even like 12 hours ago, Chris, and just have him hear you say that where you're like, yeah, four to Baylor, but like Illinois is right there and just yeah. see how you react to that. Yeah. 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 I, geez. I mean, we, you know, three days ago, it was, yeah, Illinois is the team that's going 0 and 3, right? Uh, but clearly, I mean, it was, it was great. It was refreshing to see these guys come out, especially, you know, in my mind, it's the, it's the top two. Uh, you know, Zeke Clark is never going to give up. Monsi is going to grind with you all day long. It, it really comes down to uh, Kovacevic and, and AB. Are they, you know, are they in the pro mindset or are they in there for the team match? And, you know, and that's what they're all about. And they were there for the team match today. And if that's, you know, if that team is, a, is, a, is there and they're a team that they're going to be tough. The home match for Illinois, regardless of the if, fact that there's no uh, fans in the crowd, I think Baylor advances. There's just too much talent there on the roster for the Bears. But yeah, I think it will be, again, a, a much more fun semifinal than we would have anticipated just 12 hours ago. With that in mind, I got to hit the hay. You got to hit the hay. Any final thoughts on the consolation matches or the rest of day one? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, I, I think even both those consolation matches are good. I'll be interested to see. Uh, TCU Tennessee now because I, we've all been impressed with Tennessee so uh, that was a good match today I that they played against North Carolina even though the score didn't look great 4-1 but they were up a break against Blumberg and then going to a third with Wiedemann uh, I think that's a very winnable match for them so I think I think that's another another good match so there you know there aren't any of them that I'm not looking forward to now tomorrow uh, because I think every one of them there's there's a good, you know, a good chance for a very competitive match. Ready for this? This is my last cogent thought of the night. Illinois is this year's Michigan. Uh, yeah, that's correct. I forgot the thought halfway through. That's when you know you're really, when you're really cooked. There was a second half to that thought. Illinois is this year's Michigan. And, oh, there's it is. And uh, Tennessee is this year's NC State. I, 
I'm not sure where the similarities coming in in the latter one. For sure, I could easily see Illinois this year's Michigan where they make, I mean, you know, they make the deep run, right? Yeah. No, I mean, they have, haven't they? And the Tennessee comp is just, just veterans who are just really good. You get a professional effort out of them each and every time. Yeah. Yeah. So that would, again, it was semi-cogent, I thought, I should say, my last semi-cogent thought of the night. But of course, uh, again, we will be picking up our action, our coverage of the action. There it is tomorrow. Uh, you can hopefully all follow that action. I'm sure we will tweet out the links on our Crack Racket social media. I'm sure Chris will be kind enough to tweet out the link at some point throughout the day. Of course, you can check the Illinois men's tennis website as well to find all of the coverage. Again, a huge thank you to all of you who took the time to watch today's stream, to tune in, to chat with us, throw me a tweet or a DM, whatever it may be. A huge thank you again to the patient patients of the two men in my life, Mike the two men in my life. Sorry for phrasing it that way. Uh, the two men in my life, Mike Cash and Chris Halliors, who for some reason, they don't look alike. They don't act alike. Well, they do act alike in that they both give me a justifiable, very hard time, but in the good ways, in the good ways. I think that's what it is because when I think of both of you, I'm like, oh, Chris, or I'm just like, oh, Mike. <laughs> hey, look, I, I, I'm, I'm smart enough to know He's way better in the booth than I am. So all I got to say is, look, I got way more hair, Mike. That, that's, that's all I got. I would be <laughs> laughing my patootie off if I wasn't so trying to control my volume. That's, that's, that's incredible. I kept my hat on for this podcast because I'm still too afraid to look. Um, but, but yes, again, a huge shout out, of course, to you, Chris, for staying up this late. We sincerely appreciate that. And obviously, we're going to get to do this all again tomorrow. So be sure to check in with us at the end of day two. Apparently, I'm going to be snowed in here Sunday night on day three. So I'm sure we'll have a podcast then as well. A shout out as always to our friends at Midwest Sports, as well as our super producers, Max Leader and Daniel Westoff, who again are editless. So I have to, I don't want to swear to make him do more work. I'll just say, you know, the sort of job he has to do. But with that in mind, for my wonderful co-host, Chris Hallioris, our super producers, Fleetner and Westoff, our friends at Midwest Sports and everyone involved with the ITA National Indoors, as well as the Tennis Channel Podcast and Track Rackets. I am your host, Alex Gruskin. Chris, what do we tell the listeners? At the end of a mini break, I have no freaking idea. <laughs> we tell them that's the break. And we will <laughs> see you all next time. Thank you as always, Chris. Thank you.